0: My name is Jeremy Carmody. I'm the worship arts director here at Lutheran Church of Hope in the Ankeny campus. And uh, usually I'm on stage with a guitar and a band and some other vocalists and uh, leading some music. And, and today I'm not. Uh, about a year ago, Pastor Scott asked, he said, hey, about a year from now, we look at our, our preaching schedule, kind of we look out a whole year. And uh, he goes, you know, a year from now, the weekend after Thanksgiving, uh, the talk is on worship and why we sing in church. Would you want to give it? And I was like, Sure, I got like a year to prepare, why not, right? <clears throat> um, haven't slept since. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, nope, nope, I'm kidding. Um, I'm actually really excited and really honored that he would ask me to do this. This is something I'm passionate about, uh, singing in church, why we do it. And it, it's kind of an odd thing at times, but I'm hoping that by the time you leave, you'll have a few handles on why it is we sing and why you should be singing here and why you should be singing at home even. Uh, I will admit I'm outside of my comfort zone uh, just a little bit. I am more comfortable with my guitar and with the band. Um, for some reason, speaking in front of people is a little nerving for me. I feel, I feel good now. It's my fourth time through, so I think I'll be able to be all right. But uh, if for some reason, when I talk in front of people, I just get a little nervous. I'm sure some of you can relate to that. And so you might be wondering right off the bat, well, then why did you go into a career where you stood on a stage in front of people singing songs? And then why did you say you would preach or talk to give the talk the weekend after Thanksgiving? And I would say those are great questions. (laughs) I don't, you know. Um, Yeah, I mean, the short answer would be I think God can call us to do things from time to time that make us uncomfortable, and that's Okay. Um, The long answer would be uh, I'm going to give you a little background on where I came from and how I got to be here. Because Maybe you and I haven't had time to sit down and talk and and get to know each other. So I'm going to tell you kind of how it came to be that I am a worship arts coordinator at at Hope Ankeny. Uh, So we go back to 1985. My parents took a senior pastor position at a church up in Fort Dodge, Iowa. That's about an hour and a half, a little less than that northwest of here. And uh, I kind of grew up inside the walls of that church. My dad was a senior pastor of that church. My mom was part-time, but she was there a lot, kind of helping grow this church that was only about a year old when they took it over. So I spent a lot of time with the staff and the members of that church. And, And once I was old enough, I would even volunteer in the nursery and the kids' ministries. And really, any ministries that would let someone volunteer, I would try to volunteer in them. And I knew kind of early on that ministry was something I was excited about and something that kind of spoke to me. And I was excited that when I grew up to, you know, be a pastor or be in the ministry in some capacity. There was also a season where I was either going to be in the ministry in some capacity or I was going to run a grocery store. I don't know why that was, the, <laughs> that was my coin toss, but it, it was for a few years for some reason. I did eventually work at Fairway for about four years through high school, and I did enjoy that. I liked the small talk. I was that guy that pushed carts out to the to the cars and got a, got a chance to talk to the people and it was a lot of fun I did not love the 5 a.m. truck unloads um and thankfully Hope Ankeny doesn't have 5 a.m. truck unloads so um I'm, I'm happy about that but I always felt called back to uh, some sort of work in the ministry so rewind again I'm eight years old I'm in third grade and I start playing the trumpet uh, trumpet music was always a big part of my life my dad played guitar and he was good at it and he was in bands all grown up and um eventually worship leading and stuff like that before he started uh, senior pastoring and so I was like gosh I love music and I love ministry I never really put them hand in hand I just kind of thought music was a neat hobby and uh so I'm eight years old I'm playing trumpet and that had to have been an interesting instrument for an eight-year-old to start on. I'm sure it was a little obnoxious. Um, but then a few years later, luckily, I picked up the drum set, which is, you know, much more subtle. <laughs> so I had an acoustic drum set in the basement that I would just, you know, hammer away on and try to learn it. I was like seventh and eighth grade when that happened. I got on the worship team as a drummer at New Covenant and, and was able to, to share that gift Um with, with, the, with the church there in that capacity. And a few years later, I was 15, 16 years old, I started playing guitar because it was really hard to worship God by yourself with a drum set and a trumpet. And it's like, and there were times I was like, gosh, I just kind of want to sit and just sing and, and, and see what happens. And, and so I picked up the guitar and loved it and just started playing it. I would, I would start to lead worship songs for our youth group. we would just kind of sit around a, our little youth center that we had and we'd just sing songs sometimes. And then I got on the worship team up for the main service at, at church and would, would started to lead songs and, and kind of do what I'm now doing today. Um, after I graduated high school, I went to a two-year discipleship training program. It's kind of like a sort of seminary-ish, but, you know, lots of, lots of Bible classes, but then lots of hands-on in the ministry type stuff. And I met some people that grew my faith a lot, that challenged me and stretched me a lot. I was down in St. Joe, Missouri, out of Word of Life Church. Uh, pastor Brian Zahn is the, is the pastor of that church. Uh, he's he's kind of become quite an author these days. Maybe you've heard of him. Um, but yeah, he, they, I also met some really good musicians that had a really awesome heart for the Lord while I was down there. And, and I was able to not, not only grow in my faith, but grow in my gifts that God has, had put in my heart that I should have. And that's where I really realized I, 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 I think I want to be a worship leader. So I left that two-year program and um, finished it out, and I went to my home church back in Fort Dodge in 2005, and I started leading worship full-time. And I was leading worship there until uh, 2014 in February where I came here and decided to take the role of, or was asked to take the role of, the worship arts director. And in a few months, that'll be four years already, which is kind of crazy because in a lot of ways it feels like I just started here and just got here. So that is a really quick nutshell of, of how I came to be uh, on stage here every week. And um, so we're in this series, What Are You Wearing? The entire series has been about how we should act as Christ followers, how we should be. The first week, Eli talked to us about love how we should be loving each other as followers of Christ. He talked how he went to Burning Man and took pictures of people, wrote Jesus Loves You on it, and gave it to him, hoping it would open a, a door for a conversation. That <laughs> was a cool story. Uh, the next couple of weeks, Pastor Scott talked about how we should be forgiving each other and one another as followers of Christ. And it, it might be a little different way of thinking about it than you're used to. If you, if you weren't here, you should, you should really hear that message. Find the podcast because it was really good. Last week, Pastor Scott talked about how we should be peacemakers, not just go out into the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, but also go into the world around us and share the peace of Christ, that we shouldn't be divisive, but we should move together as one. We should also go around the globe, globally, missionally, and and be peacemakers, and be the hands and feet of Christ. And this weekend, we're talking about singing and why we sing in church. So show of hands, who likes to sing in church? Yeah, this is great. And that's, and that's great because, you know, for every one hand that was up, there was probably a hand that was sort of up because it had to or just, or just not up at all. Because not everyone loves singing in church, and that's okay. But my hope is that I can give you three practical reasons why it's good to sing in church and why it's beneficial for your life and for the life of everyone that, everyone that you know even. And to do that, I want to lay a foundation about how, how passionate our God is about singing and about music. Singing at church isn't just something we do to fill time, so you're not here just for half an hour or something. No, singing at church is something that's all through the Bible that we should sing when we're together. God is really, really passionate about singing. So to start this foundation, let's read a couple of verses out of Psalms, and let's read them all together. You ready? Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim good news that He saves. Let's read one more out of Psalms 47. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Church, that's two verses out of psalms, Two verses that commands us to sing seven times when we gather and, and when we're as followers of Christ, we should be singing. All the time. Psalms is the biggest book of the Bible, and it's a, it's a book about songs, of songs. Throughout the Bible, there are over 1,100 verses that just reference singing in some way, whether it's rhythm or praise or singing or even instruments like cymbals and flutes and, and drums or, or whatever. It even mentions the individual instruments. Out of those 1,100, 400 of them are about singing, and 50 of those are commands, not invitations that we should be singing, but commands, just like the ones we read, that we should sing praises to God. Two times in the New Testament, God says that when we're together for service and when we're we're together as the body of Christ, we should sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. One of those times is in our Bible reading that we've had this entire uh, series of What Are You Wearing?, The other time is in Ephesians 5 when Paul is kind of talking about how to live filled with the Holy Spirit and that the fruit of being filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of fruits that um, there are when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But one of them is that when you gather together, you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another and to God with thanksgiving in your heart. Did you know that God himself sings and sings over you? In Zephaniah, Chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love he will calm your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful singing. God rejoices over us with joyful singing. It's amazing. After the Last Supper, Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn together before leaving for the Mount of Olives. And these are just some of the references, church. There are so many more about how, you know, how music led armies into battle. I mean, there's just so many big things that happened with music in the Bible. But it's pretty clear and pretty obvious that we serve a God who loves singing. And we serve a God who wants us to be like him. So we should love singing. But why does it have to be singing? You know, I kind of I feel that tension sometimes. From, you know, I'll come up and be like, okay, we're going to sing a couple songs. And I can almost feel you being like, why? <laughs> why can't we just, you know, pray? Because <laughs> there's not too many places in culture that you just stand up and sing together. Maybe sporting events, you'll do like the national anthem or the fight song of your team or uh, baseball games. You'll sing the seventh inning stretch, take me out to the ball game. Or you'll go to a restaurant and, you know, maybe it's someone's birthday. And they come out with a silly hat, and all the staff and employees come out and sing some weird version of happy birthday, and it's kind of odd. But then everyone else starts clapping and singing along, and it sounds even worse. (laughs) But then you come here, and we ask you to sing because it means something. And it does mean something. So with the time that we have left, I want to go through three reasons why we should sing at church. Reason number one, singing helps us remember things. Plain and simple, singing helps us remember things. You can hear a song that you haven't heard for like 10 or 15, 20 or more years and almost immediately be snapped back into where that song was popular or when that song meant something really important to you. You can remember the people you used to hang out with, maybe the job you had. You can probably remember the car you had when that song was popular on the radio. And those are just some of the things that you probably remember. There's probably a lot more. We remember songs that we were taught in grade school, and not just like the alphabet and stuff, but like songs that we did for our fall and winter programs. You know, you might hear a couple words, and then you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that. You can just, you know, start singing. Or TV jingles, right? I mean, gosh, you hear these TV jingles, they just get stuck in your head. Okay, so here we go. Crowd participation time. Um, If I were to sing, the best part of waking up, you would sing is? Yeah, you just know it. I mean, when's the last time you actually heard that, but you remember it, right? Or how about this one? How about this one? I don't want to grow up. I'm? Yeah, Toys R Us kid. A million toys, a Toys R Us kid. Okay, here we go. One more, one more. Give me a break. Give me a break. Sing it out. Yeah, right, Kit Kat bar. I mean, you, you hear these things and you just remember them. You just remember them because music helps us remember things. Oliver Sacks was a British neurologist who studied the effect that music has on your brain. And he, he, he just did this for years and years and he was really passionate about it. He wrote a book, wrote a lot of books, but one book was called Musicophilia. And he says this in his book. Every culture has songs and rhymes to help children learn the alphabet, numbers, and other lists. Even as adults, we are limited in our ability to memorize series or to hold them in mind unless we use mnemonic devices or patterns. And the most powerful of these devices are rhyme, meter, and song. Every culture everywhere uses song, uses music to teach their children. That's how universally just powerful music is. And the most, yeah, it's just the most powerful way to learn is through rhythm and song. You even see that in the lives of patients with Alzheimer's. They may not know their spouse's name or their children's name, but they can remember songs. Or you can play certain music and it kind of helps jog their memory. And they kind of come back and, and can remember things again. I was talking with Eli and, and his wife one time, and she's a music therapist. Katie is a music therapist. And, and she was talking about how they use, they use music to treat things that aren't, shouldn't be able to be treated with music. It should be, you know, but music is able to treat parts of our health because it's so powerful. It can find new roadways through the brain to remember things. It's so powerful. Music can help, just helps us remember things. A really cool story in the Old Testament comes from Deuteronomy 31. In Deuteronomy 31, Moses is taking the Israelites through the wilderness. They're coming up on the promised land. And God says, whoa, stop, Moses, I want to talk with you. And (laughs) Moses is probably like, okay, I mean, we're like right here. Can we just? And and, and God kind of has this story. He's like, hey, the Israelites are going to kind of start messing up. And when they do, I want you to teach them this song. this is what he tells Moses. So write down the words of this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Help them learn it so it may serve as a witness for me against them. For I will bring them into the land I swore to give their ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. They will become prosperous, eat all the food they want and become fat, but they will begin to worship other gods. They will despise me and break my covenant. And when great disasters come down on them, this song will stand as evidence against, against them, for it will never be forgotten by their descendants. So God knew that the Israelites were going to turn their back on them. But his plan was this song was going to kind of be that, that little shimmer of light and hope for when things do turn dark. The Message Bible says it this way, and you can read along. The song will be there with them as a witness to who they are and what went wrong. Their children won't forget this song. They'll be singing it. Don't think I don't know what they're already scheming to do. And they're not even in the land yet, this land that I promised them. <laughs> I like how God's like, don't think I don't already know what they're thinking. Can any parents relate to that? He's just like, look at your kids like, I know what you're thinking about doing. Don't do it. And then they still do it. Um, No, this kind of leads us to our next point, though, is that singing puts God's word in our heart. That's part of our scripture reading. Let God's word dwell in your heart richly. There's a lot of ways that can happen, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But one of the ways that can happen is through song. Because the, the songs we sing here are directly from the Bible and have truth and have, and have God's word right in them. And when we sing them, it helps us remember things, and then it puts God's word directly into our hearts. So Moses teaches the Israelites this song, that, and then they teach their kids this song. And what happens? They turn their back on God. They serve other gods. They they become very selfish and self-centered and they they completely push God out of their lives. But the kids for generations sing this powerful and amazing song that point people back to Jesus. We're not promised an easy life. It even says that, God says that, when disaster will come upon Israel... We're not promised this easy life when, when we follow Jesus, when we're Christ followers. We're just not. There's trials and tribulations because we live in a fallen and in a broken world. A lot of times in the New Testament, they even talk about that. First Peter 5, and after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The last part sounds good, you know, strengthen and establish you, but it's after we've suffered a little while. In Romans 12, Paul is actually giving guidelines on how to live as a Christ follower in a broken and fallen world. I mean, this is exactly what we're talking about in this series. How do we live as Christians? And in Romans 12, 12, he says it this way, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. This is like becoming one of my favorite verses. Let's read it together. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Why would he say be patient in trouble if we weren't gonna have trouble in our lives? Trials and tribulations come. What bubbles up inside of you when that happens? One more verse, John 16. This is Jesus talking. He says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And that's good news. I mean, take heart. He's overcome the world. But what helps us when we have those trials and those sorrows, when they're knocking on our door and looking us right in the eye and we feel them, what do we do? What bubbles up inside of us? What if we haven't taken our daily quiet time and you know, written the scriptures on poster, you know, post notes and, and try to memorize them or did the abbreviation on your hands technique where you try to memorize verses and put them in your heart? I mean, that's, that's a good thing to do, and we should be doing that, but what if we haven't? There's other ways God can put his word in our heart, and one of that is through music. So when the trials and the sorrows are here, what do we want to be singing? The best part of waking up is full... No. We don't want to sing that. That won't help. But what if the bridge of a song like Shout Hosanna bubbles up inside of our heart and it comes to mind? Do you remember that song? We sing it here once in a while. It goes like this. The same power that rolled the stone away. Sing it out. The same power alive in us today. King Jesus, we call upon your name, no other name. That's exciting, church. Those words are exciting. The same power that rolled the stone away is the same power that lives in us today. The same power that raised Jesus from death. The same power that helped the disciples build and nourish the early church, heal the sick, open the eyes of the blind. The same power that can reach into your lives and heal your relationships with your family. It's the same power that can take a broken and hurting marriage and heal it and restore it to complete health. It's the same power that called you by name, just like the song we sung earlier. Called you by name out of death and the grip of the grave. And called you into his marvelous light and his glorious day. That power dwells inside of us. It's amazing. If you've been around hope at all, um, this is kind of the part of the songs where I start getting all jumpy and, uh, you know, I get a little high pitched. I'm like, come on, sing it with us, you know, and, and, and it, sometimes it's because I want you to kind of wake up and sing, and other times it's because these are truths. These are words of God, and they're true. It's not a pop song that we're just kind of throwing out there. No, this is stuff that should dwell in our hearts, that the same power is in our hearts. That's good news, church. So we sing because it helps us remember things, and we sing because it puts God's word deep in our hearts. We don't get moved by the music. We don't, you know, we don't just just listen to what's happening. We participate and we sing because it's God who's moving us, and it's the word of God that's moving us. And our third point, singing unifies the church. We grow spiritually, we grow, we grow relationally when we stand in a room and we sing together. When we sing things like, I have decided to follow Jesus, and you hear 400 other people singing that with you, it shows that we're not alone, church. We're all together singing these songs. So Buddy the Elf, he likes to sing wherever and whenever, and whether it's a department store or what, he just belts it out, not ashamed at all. Some can relate to that. And then there's Jovi who's like, well, I can sing, but I don't want to sing in front of other people because it's embarrassing. And there's people like that, and that's okay. Well, but then things happen in Central Park in New York. Santa's sleigh is broken down. And, and, you know, what we need, what they need at that moment is some Christmas cheer. And what does Buddy the Elf say? There's really only one way to get Christmas cheer. Take a look. (laughs) So something really powerful happens when we all stand and sing with one accord. I mean, I don't think is going to come flying through here, but I guess you never know. Our scripture reading through this entire series has been out of Colossians. And in there it talks about how we should be forgiving one another, how we should love one another, because it binds us all together. It goes on to say we should be peacemakers. It even says that we should counsel one another with the wisdom that we have. Those are all things that we can do together that we're told to do together. You can't really do those things by yourself. I mean, because I you can, but we need each other. So why would singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs be any different? We do those together. And um, I'll, I'll hear people say sometimes, "Well, I just, I just don't, I don't sing because I love hearing you guys sing. I just love hearing what's happening around me. I get so caught up with the music, and that's great. I mean." Church, this isn't, a, this isn't a message saying you have to sing, you have to sing every word, you have to sing all the time, or God doesn't move. That's not what I'm saying. God moves in a lot of cool and awesome ways. And there are people, like, if you don't sing, that's okay. I'm not trying to, to guilt trip anyone into this. Singing is one of many ways that God will move in your life. Here at Hope you, throughout the staff, we've been, we've been kind of going through this thing where are we asking the right questions And and church, I don't think the right question is, do you have a good voice that you can sing and and, and participate in worship? The right question is, do you like the song? I'm sorry, the, the right question isn't do you like the songs we're singing? The right question isn't are we singing enough hymns? Are we singing too many hymns? The right question isn't even, do I like singing? Church, the right question is, do you have a song to sing? Has Jesus called you out of the darkness, broken you free from the chains and the grip of death, given you a light and said, okay, you're mine now. (laughs) Do you have a song to sing? Do you believe in Jesus Christ and do you follow him? Then you have a song to sing. We sing that song here, you found me. The chorus goes, and now I have a song to sing because I was lost, but Jesus, you found me. And now I live forever free because I was lost, but Jesus, you found me. We have a song to sing, church, and we need to sing it. When we we surrender our our wants and our desires and we just kind of lift up our voice and sing to the Lord, I think that is an action that can open our hearts to the blessings that he wants to give us. We have a song to sing. Okay, so then how do we sing? Glad you asked. John and Charles Wesley were hymn writers of the 1700s. These guys were crazy. They wrote, okay, they wrote 6,500 hymns throughout the course of their career. Isn't that nuts? They, They were able to fill 56 hymnals in 53 years. It's insane. They were just writing music all the time. And in the front of their hymnals, they would, they would write instructions on how to sing when you're gathered together for service. When you're in the community of the body of Christ, they actually would write pointed instructions on how to sing. And i want to read a couple of those for you. Is that okay? So sing lustily with, and with good courage. Be aware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep. But lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor nor more ashamed of its being heard, than when you sung the songs of Satan. That's really point blank. I think what they're trying to say there, and it's it's a little bit direct, is uh, don't be afraid and ashamed to sing at church. And to sing to God, the God who's created heavens and the earth and brought you out of that darkness. Don't be afraid or ashamed to sing to him. Yeah, we can go out and we can sing and have other fun and do, do stuff out, out there. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you come into here and we, and, we, and we get ready to sing, lift your voice. Open your heart and sing to the Lord. That's what they're trying to say there. It goes on. Above all, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing Him more than yourself or any other creature. In order to do this, attend strictly to the sense of what you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with the sound, but offered to God continuously. So shall your singing be such as the Lord will approve here and reward you when he cometh in the clouds. Don't be moved by anything other than God and the words we're singing. Yeah, and and God can move you in music, and that's okay. It, It really is. But today we're focusing on why we sing and lift our voices. God's not looking for a room full of people with their arms in the air and and belting it out like Buddy the Elf in the department store. But I think God is looking for a room full of people with their hearts open to him so that he can deposit his word into our hearts, his love and his grace. And sometimes the act of singing is enough to just get our hearts in that position. Would you stand with me? Bob Coughlin is a worship pastor Uh, a very popular one he's written books on this very thing he has a ministry called Sovereign Grace Music and he said it this way you shouldn't have to wait to be moved by the music before you start singing because God did something 2,000 years ago that should already move you he sent his son to die so that we can have this relationship in the first place so we should enter into these services with a song in our heart and ready to sing and praise the Lord And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to lift our voices and sing praises to his name. Let's sing.